Welcome back to the Consequences podcast with Paul McNulty and Sean McCreevy. Uh, folks, welcome back to the podcast. Sean and I, once again, absolutely delighted to be in the company of Graham Goldman. Welcome again, Graham. Thank you. Nice to see you again. Oh, th- Hi, Graham. Thank you. Um, today, we're going to talk about all things Andrew Gold. Um, we're really excited about this chat because it's an area that's perhaps a little less known about. Um, we thought we might start this podcast when we broadcast it with a recording of I Only Have Eyes For You by Art Garfunkel. Um, this yeah. was a UK number one in 1975, and Graham's nodding, he's aware of the relevance of this track. It was produced by Richard Perry. The bass was played by the Wrecking Crew guy, Joe Osborne, but everything else, the keyboards, guitars, and the drums were all played by Andrew Gold. I thought it very interesting that Andrew, uh, in some way, was topping the UK charts the same year that 10CC did with I'm Not In Love. Which leads me on to ask Graham, um, if I may, how did you first become aware of Andrew's music? And, and did you ever meet him in during that time in the 1970s? I ne- never met him prior to the first time I met him when he came to work with, uh, with Eric and I. Right. Um, but I was very aware of his music. I loved uh, Lonely Boy in particular, mm. with a record that I absolutely adored. And um, one of the things about it was, when it started, it gave you the impression it was started on a one. I don't know if you've ever been fooled by this sort of thing. That very song. I've tried to play it and I've never managed it yet. <laughs> so it's not one, two, three, four, da, 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 da. Da, 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 da. It's actually, actually, that might not be right, what I just, but it's actually one, two, three, four. Ba, 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 ba. But if you yeah. hear it as ba, 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 it gives it a good, so when the actual vocal com, uh, comes in, it completely yeah. throws you. So that was that. Was <laughs> anyway, I just thought I'd, I remembered that bit. Um, well, no, you're absolutely and, right. Yeah, so the answer to the question is yes, I was very aware of him. I was aware of his work as a session musician working with Richard Perry and many other people. And of course, his work with Linda Ronstadt. Yes. Which is really important because he was integral to that band. And um, some of his solos are, uh, are iconic. So, um, we Andrew was suggested as a collaborator with me and Eric by our American record company, Warner Brothers. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely leapt on this. <laughs> Andrew Girl, I thought it was going to be so great, and it was. It was great. Do you want me to- did, he, um, did you fly over to him, Graham, or did he fly over to no, you? No, he came over to... To me, I remember meeting him at Manchester Airport. Wow. And um, mm. 
we got on really, really well. Um, went down to Strawberry South, as was then, and started to uh, write and record for the, um, I think it was a 10 out of 10 album. It was. And yeah. there were three tracks on there that he co-wrote and co-produced. Um, none was a big hit, but the three tracks were all singles. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I think the, those three tracks were kind of standout tracks. So there was no doubt about it that his input was very, very positive. It seemed to have a really energising effect on, on the two of you as well. I mean, I think... Eric's vocal on Runaway, for example, is one of the best he, yeah, he ever did. It's very good. It's beautiful. Yeah, really beautiful. So Andrew, um, you know, was, was was very happy, and it was a very it was a it was a it was a very nice period um, to have. To, I think also to have a, a third party there was actually quite good. So there was, if there was any uh, discussion about an arrangement or a chord or something, it was. Uh, I remember there was a discussion about the actual melody for the verse of uh, of uh, Runaway, and we sort of deferred to Andrew, and he said, "No, this this is the one to go to." So it was quite; it made things a lot easier. All the answers to the questions I've been asking with my eyes. We've heard it all before. That's uh, we, we we mentioned that in the last podcast, yeah, didn't we? Yeah. What, what what were your thoughts on that one, Graham? Talk us through that the process. I, I guess did you have a giggle? In the studio, yeah, putting it, it together. Studios, it was fun, you know. Really, I mean, the, the, like uh, uh, Runaway was serious, but um, uh, we've heard it all before. Was was not serious at all, and it was. Uh, I found um, sort of right away a kind of kindred spirit in Andrew that uh, we we had. Although he was slightly younger than me, um, he was a Beatle maniac. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, anything Beatles, he was, he was on it. I mean, he could, he would play Blackbird, and it would be McCartney. It, it was so, he was so on it. it was just brilliant. I was alone. I took a ride. I didn't know what I would find. And, and it was the start of a very happy and creative uh, relationship, meeting him via, um, via 10CC. Mm-hmm. So when was the next time that you hooked up with him? So what happened was um, I wanted him to join the band. I thought that would be fantastic. And Eric was keen on it as well. Um, he was Eric, uh, Andrew wasn't that keen because he had a fear of flying. He wasn't sure, you know. So, and I think we sort of left it at that. Um, I might have my timing wrong. It might have been a bit later that that uh, I spoke to him about that. But he went back to um, back to America, and then not long after that, Eric and I decided we were going to call it a day, um, and. Andrew was the first person I, I spoke to after that to work with. And I said, you know, I've, I've got a little studio in my house. 
why don't you come over for a couple of weeks, let's do some writing. And he came over, he stayed for about six months. And we just were kind of stuck in the house. We recorded an album, some of which you would have heard by Andrew putting out like Wax Bikini and um, other stuff. Um, and it was an album full of stuff that I just think is fantastic, some of which is in the light of day, and I'm not sure whether everything has. Well, now, are, are you talking about what became the, the Common Knowledge well, yeah. album later? Yes, that had... Yeah. Uh, that Victoria on it, um, Holiday, which was one of the best things I thought we ever did. And the, the fact that we had one synth, hmm. I think we had a, it was a 16 track Fostex I had, a, a tiny sort of board, Lynn drum machine about four guitars why i didn't have all my guitars i don't know but it didn't matter so we were limited with what we had right i did uh, i have a, a grand piano um uh and we just started recording and making this album and just having a fantastic time yeah wonderful so well, this the fostex machine graham i'm trying to get my i think of fostex as the the little the little four track machines that paul and i both had back in the day that, that was it was this a, like a, a proper reel-to-reel -reel machine yeah it was a reel-to-reel -reel. right well, i think they did an eight track one and a 16 track one i think i think i had the 16 track one right but all analog recording at that stage right absolutely yeah right. yeah yeah Dropping in, dropping out, and, you know... <laughs> yeah, there must have been some hairy moments in there. Well, we'd like to go into some detail about this batch of songs, which uh, we both feel are uh, terrific. And yeah, I love them. Yeah, well, there... Do you think it's fair to say, and we'll come on to the Wax albums later, that um, the eclecticism of, of this batch of songs had some of the edges knocked off later when you, when you went on to the Wax material? We got a bit more pop and a bit more, I think we were maybe a bit more aware of what was commercial, whereas we, when we were doing this, it was just, we'd, let's just do it, you know. Oh, that's a good idea. Let's just write it. But it's not, who cares? Let's just do the bloody thing. And that, so there was that kind of freedom. I think we were our own, there was no A&R input either. Not to say, I'm not criticising any A&R input, because we did have a certain amount of success. Um, but on this particular album, we were our own. We did whatever we wanted to do. Yeah, it, it's really interesting you say that, Graham. Um, the only this is only a short anecdote. I did meet Andrew Gold once uh, back in '92. I went to a songwriters uh, kind of symposium, I think they called yeah. it, like a workshop type yeah. thing, where wannabes like me would go along, and they, they'd have these special guests um talking about songwriting yeah. and getting published and everything and andrew gold was sitting on the panel alongside get this boy you like this john bettis oh yeah oh wow yeah and diane warren oh. so you can imagine it's that oh. fabulous <laughs> and and i and i dared ask a question i put my hand up and, and spoke directly to andrew and uh, I, I i asked him about whether i should try and 
remould my my stuff for a market you know should i should i be making my my song sound more current and i'll never forget andrew's answer and it stayed with me forever it was no just record from the heart what you want to do it yeah. doesn't matter you choose the style you go for it because, because it will be you it's your thing and hopefully your thing what you do um you know your sureness will <laughs> be what people want that's what you all you can hope for just yeah. doing what you do the best and what you love and comes from the heart as andrew said absolutely right and and i think that the common knowledge ones those early ones just like paul was saying do have that that absolute honesty don't they yeah we were just having a ball really enjoying ourselves and we we we, we i know that we did get more we had producers you know we had phil thorn alley who i i love him he's a very good friend of mine uh same with, with chris neil and um peter colin they're all fr- good friends and I, i'm still in touch with uh, with all of them oh. uh phil particularly because he lives down the road and he's got you know i've worked with him on the uh modesty for bits album yeah. uh, but uh, so there's someone else who is on the team it does alter the the um the dynamic if you like but we were we were happy with all all of those albums particularly well the right between the eyes i think is actually like just and bridge the heart like great pop songs you know just simple oh yeah i i agree and i i can't wait to dive into those one in particular graham we'll, we'll uh, come but, to that but let's let's yeah. let's not leave common knowledge yet please because it's a, <laughs> kind of it's an un, it's a virtually unknown record i believe it, it was only released in the late 90s when a couple more tracks were added but you know talking to the variety about the variety of these songs you mentioned holiday which is which is terrific fun and hmm. it, it's almost uh, it seems like a Latin break, you know, the middle part of Feel the Benefit transplanted to the UK or even even Butlins. It's got that kind of... <laughs> yes, it has, yeah. It's Butlins all over, yeah. Yeah, it's got that... To... That holiday's not taking place in the Cote d'Azur, I can tell you. No, that... that... <laughs> and I love the fact that it, it starts with that kind of very grandiose kind of Broadway uh, intro, right. doesn't it? Yeah. We're all going on a holiday we're all going on a holiday. Yeah, which then reappears, speeded up as, and you know, part of the song proper. But uh, yeah, and yeah. Uh, I, I like the way you finish with the big, uh, the big, with a little help from my friends, cadence at the end there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, I guess you existed all those years, and you thought, well, we'll just we'll just chuck it in now because it's an, a nice way to bring it to a great. It, it, it always, if I ever listen to it, which I don't very often, but it always brings a smile to my face. The whole thing. It was very. I thought it was really creative, and and uh, and also kind of like a. Uh, you mentioned feel the benefit. It, it kind of did carry on in that sort of vein, in that it had so many. Um, elements to it that that i think hung together so well yeah it's, it's, yeah absolutely and it's just a very joyful kind of uh, i thought that we're on a holiday da, 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 da. oh it was great you know yeah it'll, it'll find its place one day i'm sure it really will a magic holiday we'll see the sun break through it's shining for you 
Two of my favourites from, from that collection of songs, Graham, are King of Showbiz and Separate Limos. Were they recorded at the time or yeah, were they, they later? recorded at the time. I mean, Separate Limos was a quite a poignant song. Yeah. Um, is, it, is it about 10cc? Uh, yes, it is. Uh, that was where the original idea sort of came from. I just love the idea of separate, I mean, separate limo says it all, doesn't it? You know, yes. um, about what happens uh, to, to lots of bands. And I love that there's there's a lot of 10cc-ness about the track as well, isn't there? Yeah. Um, the, the lyrics, for a start, I think, um, the, the doubled guitars. Yeah. And, and, and a kind of uh, Graham and Kevin kind of low vocal as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, there, there are lots of nods yeah, back in time, I think, on that. And um, you mentioned the guitar there. I mean, uh, a lot of the... I did play some um, git, uh, guitar on that album but andrew is um such a fine player you know he's such an inventive he just gets a sound and his what he chooses to play is just brilliant mm. so maybe kind of in slightly inhibiting for me but yeah <laughs> yes because i was going to ask you whether within the kind of the common knowledge wax team mm. whether Andrew tended to go more towards the keyboards and you played all the guitars no, it wasn't like that then all the guitars but a lot of the guitars he would definitely play all the keyboards because I can't play keyboards at all yeah yeah uh, and the guitars we kind of split but like on I would play more like on um, right between the eyes say he plays the solo but I'm playing the down bam 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 yeah. bam but that's my riff, so. And, and that's really how it was, because it was the same principle as we had with 10cc. Whoever's best for the job does it. So there were some times where my style of playing is different to Andrew's, so I would get the job and, and vice versa. Sure. That, that, and that, same, with the, same with the vocals as well. Whoever suited it, I got, got them. Yes, it's nice, it's nice to hear okay. both of you trading vocals. I mean, talking of vocals, Andrew Gold has got just the most wonderful voice for pop. I mean, the radio seems to love his voice, and yeah. particularly country radio. Um, there's a song on that batch of songs called Touch and Go, uh, which is like a, which is an authentic country song, and it just suits his mm. to a T. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's a really it's a beautiful song. We're always playing house, but what I want to own, I see the signs. This love on time. It's got the sound of an Eagles classic, hasn't it? Uh, well, he's from. You say the Eagles. He's he's in that. Um, that's the kind of team, you know, Jackson Brown, Crosby, Sills and Nash, Andrew Gold, yeah. Linda Ron, that, you know, he's, he's from that, in that school. You know, yeah. He's a yeah. Oh, he was a, an authentic California kid, as, as you say, in daylight. I mean, unlike yeah. the Eagles, he didn't even have to move there. He, he was there already, I suppose. Well, he, so. 
he's a rare person. He was born in Burbank. Yes. He's a yes. Angelino, and which are quite mm -hmm. that's quite rare. Most people move there. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Do you know about his parents, I think. Of course, yes. And did you did you meet uh, Marnie Nixon? I'm not I'm not sure when his when his father Ernest. I don't know whether he died earlier, but uh... I met them both. Okay. I went to a recording session with Andrew that Ernest was doing with an orchestra, which was quite something. Wow. Uh, and Marnie, I met. Uh, we had a Thanksgiving dinner, and she was there, and she sang. Oh, wonderful! Hey, but it was lovely. Uh, Fantastic. Yeah, she had a terrific voice, and it's only latterly that people know what she did, and, and yeah, uh, in all course. the different kind of places they can hear her voice, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, Ernest, of course, wrote the theme from Exodus. Um, yes, probably his most. Uh, he did other things as well, but that's probably his most famous uh, work. Uh, Paul Gambaccini, who we spoke to last week. Uh, I think he gave us this little nugget of information that Exodus was the only instrumental Grammy song of the year. I think he, I, we'll have to listen back right, to that. Okay. We'll just him to know that. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of onslaught of, of information coming at us, and we haven't listened to the recording yet, but I think he said that, amongst other things. Oh, that's interesting. Mm. Yeah, I never thought about that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I get the sense, Graham, that listening to your lyrics on this material i wonder you know who wrote most of those lyrics whether it's really collaborative when i listen to the king of showbiz which i really like um there seems to be a, a sense of modesty from andrew and, and I, I adore that song i love the kind of abba chords uh in in the intro i love the f it's a song that seems to hark back to andrew's classic stuff from the 70s you know the hits that we that we love yeah was was he a, a, a modest person given all that talent was he modest um there's there's a certain sort of modesty which which i think i have as well and we had it in the same way in that we know that we're very good at what we do, that we don't actually have to do anything. Mm. Kind of, you know, we don't have to blow our own trumpet because it's kind yeah. of blown for us. <laughs> yeah. And I think Andrew was, was, was like that. I mean, he, he was a complex personality. Um, a lot of the time he was very funny and sometimes he could be... Uh, down a bit as well. He, he'd had a curious upbringing in that he was a, from a showbiz family. His parents were both off pursuing their careers and the children will suffer. That's, you know, there's always a price to pay. And mm -hmm. this is, it's an old story, really. Mm -hmm. um, and he did, was, was affected by it. I think he was staying with aunts or uncles or sort of felt like handed around a bit, you know. And, uh, I mean, if you listen to Lonely Boy, it's it says a lot. He was born on a summer day, 1951. And with the slap of a hand, he had landed as an only son. But I remember him saying it was a pure fiction but it was so uh, yeah i've read i've read the same 
But yes, it was a double double bluff because why, why write a song about that using those specific dates and things? The, the it, dates of your birthday and uh, yeah, and everything else, and the sisters and the, and yeah, the, uh, yeah, it, it's, it, it's odd. Um, but um, I, I have no doubt it was um, it was a autobiograph. Interesting. Uh, but he was so he was he was quite a complex. Um, he had a terrible fear of flying, as I've mentioned. I've been on a plane with him, and it was absolutely dreadful. Uh, he would like hold on to the seat in front and be sort of shaking. But he did it because, like me, he was having a great time. We were having some sort of success in Europe with Right Between the Eyes and other stuff, and we so we were doing the sort of TVs and interviews and things. And he mm. was really loving it. I remember the first time we saw ourselves on top of the pops we were like like we, you know it was it was like <laughs> how could this happen again <laughs> you know well we actually we've seen that footage um yes believe it's in your archive too but andrew sold the vhs um in the, I, I bought a you know a vhs uh, of his kind of greatest hits and i think it was just self-produced i think he had his handwriting on the on the vhs cassette and he put together yeah. a compilation of many of his sort of musical moments including lots of wax and it had the two of you watching uh, i guess the first broadcast of um of bridge to your heart <laughs> coming into the charts um you know in 1987 it was great you know you could you could see that the excitement was palpable you know i mean who wouldn't be thrilled being on top of the pops you know it's yeah. uh, Okay, Battle of the Pops is coming on now. This is three and a half years. I'm very scared. This is Wax. They are building a bridge. Yeah, it was fantastic. Actually, um, we store our 10cc gear in Eastbourne and I, because uh, we, we sort of downsized to a flat um, that we're in now, um, I, I'd stored a lot of stuff there and went down with Rosanna because she wanted to get my youngest daughter to get some stuff. We went down there the other week and I found some fantastic things. Oh. I've got a book that is Polaroids of me and Andrew during the time that we recorded um, we recorded the common knowledge, all the com common knowledge stuff. And there's pictures of us with my then girlfriend, I had a the housekeeper, the gardener. It's just fantastic. Let's have The, the, the atmosphere, you know, had the, I had this lovely cottage in the country and in the countryside, and uh, and it was just such a lot of fun. We went on a diet together. I took, I remember taking Andrew to see my doctor because he wanted to go on a diet, and um, I was quite slim at the time, and Andrew wasn't. So the doctor <laughs> said to Andrew, "I'm going to put you on this sort of high protein diet." And he said, like, where are you living? He said, I'm, I'm living with Graham. And he said, you can go on it too. <laughs> I said, I don't need to go on a diet. He says, you do to help your friend. Oh. Be, so we both went on it. <laughs> I remember both trying to sort of cheat our way out of it. Which, yeah. I mean, Andrew did have, he struggled with his weight. Right. Uh, from quite an early age, I think. Um, that was another problem he had. But he was a complex, but incredibly 
and I shouldn't say but he was a complex person. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, sure. He uh, and a very um, an extraordinary talent. Uh, he could do. He was a jack of all trades and master of all of them. As well, a good example is the "I only have eyes for you." But he was a great engineer as well. Yeah. Right. Because yes. on the um, quite a lot of the and another thing album I did with Andrew at his studio that he had in um, Ridgefield, Connecticut at the time. This is Q Brain, Quark, Quark Brain. Brain. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, we're going to mention. Uh, I know he wrote a couple of songs on and another thing, but also he's he's playing on. Well, he plays on the opening three tracks, and particularly on "Walking with Angels." Is is yeah. on that is beautiful, a beautiful drum performance. When you're walking with Oh, the, so no, I, oh, I beg your pardon, but I, I okay. But he played he played drums on that, didn't he? Yeah, played drums on it and keyboards. He sings on it. Yeah, I mean he, and he channeled it. He channels R Ringo in his. It's it's a great drum performance that track. He, he, that's what I mean. You know, he'll he could be. It's more than a copy. You know, there's a yeah. inside the thing. Yeah, his Ringo playing is fantastic, <laughs> and he does he does George Harrison. Did you ever? Did you ever hear? We did a version of "Slow Down," a live version of "Slow Down." Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Solo on that. It sounds like Harrison to me. It's it just <laughs> not a copy. It's George. With my friend, I said you call Doctor Robert. Yeah, I love the full-on Beatles re-recordings that Andrew did. Oh, Do you remember, Paul, when they, when they came out? Was it the 90s they came out? Well, I don't... Uh, I, I got them through... There's a, a guy that me and Sean know called, called Elliot Kendall in Los Angeles. Mm. I, they weren't released at that time, but there was a sort of cassette doing the round of Andrew... That's right. ...recording or re-recording Beatles tracks, and they were yeah, absolutely... Yeah, like Dr. Robert and the great tracks like that. He'd even used the right gear and all this kind oh, of stuff. He had, he had a fantastic collection of guitars. So, like on Walking with Angels, I used a um, a uh, Hofner bass that uh, oh. I, that Andrew had to, to get that sort of sound. It, it's so. it's it's a beautiful recording. Did you did you play the the slide guitar on that then? Because there's little bits of slide, or was that Andrew? The little bits of slide would be Andrew. I played the da da da. Oh yeah, sure, yeah, sure. And the solo is Gordon Kennedy. Oh, who the co wrote, who I co-wrote the song yeah. with. Right. So we just sent him the tapes and just to play, and we we went through it and sort of edited what he what he sent. Okay. Mm. Yeah, it's quite a team. Quite it's a team. Quite a team. Yeah. Yeah. Can we uh, go back in time a little bit, Graham? Um, tell us about the, the transition from world in action to common knowledge to wax. Thank you all. 
loudly screaming, hello, hello at home and welcome to On The Waterfront. Now, did you get a deal before the, the wax name or did was that just a moment of inspiration? The wax name came after we signed to RCA Records. We were just looking for a name. I've got this book somewhere with all the names that we went through. It was, it was actually <laughs> fun. You know, we might as well have been like 12 years old when we were starting this project. <laughs> yeah. um, so, yeah, there were, I don't know why it went from common, um, common knowledge to world in action. Uh, but, the, but as far as Wax was concerned, that was upon signing with, um, with RCA. And that whole, those three albums that came came from that. I don't really remember anything about the transition from common knowledge to world in action or really why that happened. I, I have no memory of it. Mm-hmm. Did you get the deal based on the common knowledge batch of songs or, or had you even, had you already got demos of things like Right Between the Eyes? No, I think what happened was we tried to get a deal based on some of the stuff we'd written with RCA and they said, for some reason, we scrapped all the stuff that we did. I don't think there was that much, but we said, let's write some new songs. Let's just go and write some new songs. And we went to, we sort of decamped to Andrew's house in LA to do a lot of the writing not all of it i think but most of it we did it there because we could do the demos there as well right at his studio and i mean i had one as well but for some reason i think we felt let's get a change of scene and and mm-hmm. it was and it worked really well because i remember the house he had was off not Mulholland, but it was in the hollywood hills and from his back garden you could see the hollywood sign Oh, wonderful. And where he lived was kind of like, there's like a valley below. And if you went out in the late afternoon, you could hear music coming from all different places. You know, there were so many musicians and people creating stuff. And and Hmm. because the weather was good, so the doors would be open, so you would hear all this thing. It was a lovely atmosphere. Hmm. And uh, and it was a lovely time. So we wrote all those songs, came back to the UK and played them to Peter Robinson, um, at RCA and he said great you know signed us and put us with Filth on Alley that, that was the batch of songs that became Magnetic Heaven the first yeah. album right? Magnetic Heaven yeah uh, some of which we already had uh, the actual Magnetic Heaven track the last track on the album we, was actually just created in the studio I had one of the first, it was a Yamaha sort of synth guitar. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Figure that it played. And I remember I had to play it ahead of time. Yes, the, 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 the latency was so bad on those. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> Magnetic Heaven is full of some lovely production tricks. Yeah. Yeah, I think Phil was really having some fun on that. Yeah, yeah, we did, um, and um, it was a, it was it was um, Phil was kind of I think 
he had a, uh, he had had some hits, but he was quite young, you know, young guy. But we got on with him really well, um, and of course, it produced right between the eyes. Yeah, did, when did that one come? And did you know that that was a that was a biggie when it came out? We did. I think we thought this is. I'm never one to say that's a hit or not a hit, but I knew it was good, very good indeed. Uh, it had a tremendous yeah. energy to it. Oh, amazing! I, I've, I've written exactly the same. I love it, and that for me, you know, Graham, is the the stark contrast between Wax and the later 10cc stuff. If if I'm if I may be so bold, yeah, please. Be it's bold. pure energy, isn't it? It's got a lot of energy. It's got. We were enjoying ourselves, you know, and I think it was a good partnership being with um, with Phil was the right personality to be with us. Because if you think about it, he was quite young at that mm. time, and the, you know, we came with a lot of. We'd had lots of hits between us in one way and another, and and our credentials um were you know heavy <laughs> that's yeah, really yeah. Great. uh but phil was great and um we were very nice to him obviously you know we're not you know nice people and he was creative and uh, we liked what what he did mm-hmm. although he did get pissed off with andrew quite a few times because andrew oh yeah loved compression and he would go over to turn the thing <laughs> and phil say no that's you know don't touch the comp- <laughs> That's <laughs> it. Um, but Andrew, you know, was quite naughty in the studio. <laughs> well, a, a co-production between the three of you, wasn't it? So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, right between the eyes. I can't believe that that wasn't a hit in the UK. Yeah. I know. It, no. Um, it, and that was number one, number one in Spain. For a long time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. it, there are quite a lot of covers of, of it on if you go onto YouTube. There's quite okay. covered by the Spanish bands. I don't know what it was about it that hit a nerve with the Spanish uh, you know, record buyers. I have no I, I can't figure it out, but it's weird, isn't it? Sometimes mm. that's happened. Um well, it's a real holiday holiday song. It's a summer song. I mean, I probably yeah. maybe not intended as such, but it works. I mean, I was actually in Spain in 1986 on holiday. Uh, I don't think I knew about Wax, although I was a big 10cc fan. <laughs> and because um, in those days, the music music press was a bit more blinkered, and and it just wasn't getting publicised. I went in. I was in an amusement arcade, I think, with my friend Keith, and this song was playing. He said, "You know, you know who that is, don't you?" I said, "No." And he said, it's Wax. I said, well, who are they? And then he explained. And, and thereafter, everywhere we went, we heard this song. And it was, it was fab, you know. That, you know, it was, uh, it, it was, it was a song of holiday. It's, a, it's great, great track. Such fun. And I kind of put it in the same ballpark, Graham, as Walking on Sunshine, Katrina and the Waves. Do you know what I mean? That, it's got that drive. Yeah, and yeah. yeah. And, uh, wonderful pop, pop tune. Um, Phil got a great... Um, great sound as well you know it's very energetic it's quite you know compressed and like intense and which yeah. it suited it really well yeah i was going to ask you about the sound of wax graham and we we've done don't take this the wrong way um paul and i have done a lot of talking on the podcast about 
80s and later production yeah and I, i'm a huge fan of say your stuff on the mirror mirror album yeah where you, you it's suddenly it's pure it's natural it's like it's in a, in a wooden room you know yeah. very real and i'm not a huge fan of of mid to late 80s production yeah uh, even even though i'm so fond of so many of the records that were made back then great great pop songs now it just sounds a bit dated to me. You mean um, like Lindrums and synthesizers? Yeah, and those harsh synth sounds, yes. the digital reverbs and that sort of thing. Everything is kind of deliberately fake sounding. Yeah. I wonder if you... Two questions, really. One, was it the record company who drove you down that route? And secondly, do you listen back on that sound and, and think, oh, I wish we'd, we'd recorded it all acoustically? Some things... I do wish we had. I agree with you. That's one era that does sound dated because of this synthesized sounds, people using the same sounds, the Lynn drum machine, which was a blessing and a curse in a way. Mm. Great for us because we could make a record in the house without getting a drummer in. You know, now I, mm. I, now I only work with real drummers. I don't have anything to do with machines. Um, <laughs> so... Yes, I agree that there is a, uh, they do sound a bit dated, but that's what we were listening to. We were listening to... Um, Prince, surely. Nick Kershaw. Nick Kershaw. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I hear lots of that on, on Wax. Yeah. In fact, I wanted him to, uh, at one point, I'm not sure whether it was 10cc would want to, there was a point of, like, I knew that we needed to get some fresh blood in 10cc and I thought Nick Kershaw would have been great. Uh, just because of his style of writing and his musicianship and his musicality, there was some, like, you know, you can connect with people though, who you've never met somehow because yes. of, of what they do. Yes. We never came under any pressure and we never did what we didn't want to do. Whoever we worked with, so there was no pressure from our... I mean, Peter Robinson at RCA never um, made any comments about uh, a record, uh, I mean, the production of a record. He either liked okay. it or he didn't. But, of course, the producers put their own mark on it. Phil had this very kind of wound-up, intense, compressed thing going. Chris Neal, who we did bridge to your heart with also had his own personality so whoever you work with you've got to accept that they're going to put their mark on the record anyway yeah. peter collins i'm really generalizing now about them was more you carry on mm -hmm. and i'll let you know when i don't like it okay so, <laughs> okay just nudge us back onto the lines which which was fine i think you can maybe hear that some more or that was the last album proper album we did Yes, and you can hear it. It's more acoustic-y, more natural. There's more. There's more oxygen in the production, isn't there? Yeah. On that first album, are there any real drums at all, or is it all drum programming? I'm trying to think of, think of a track listing. Um, I think it's all programming. We had, yeah, it was all Andrew's drum programming. 
Right, okay. That. Okay. Well, just uh, remind some of the tracks. I know we're out between the eyes and... Uh... Well, Marie Claire is a really nice track, which that's got your lead on that. Some of that album we recorded at Strawberry North. Right. Was that the last time uh, either yourself or Eric would have, would have worked at, at Strawberry North? I guess it was, was it? I guess it, uh, it would have been. Right. I, I can't tell you exactly that it was the last time, but... Sure, uh, sure. So Mar Marie Claire was a less heavily produced track, was it? Because the two of you did it yourselves? Yes. Right, yes, I think... Hey, difference. Yes, you can. It's a little less hyperkinetic or something. So you yeah. know, it's, all, it's almost over-energized some of that, uh, some of the rest of the album. Although yeah, that was what Phil did. It was kind of like, <laughs> yeah, yes, right. You can. It's like, yeah, it's kind of highly. It's sprung almost. It's, it's yes. Yeah. Although you know, it, it works. Well, well, proof of the pudding was it. It was a hit, and it and it worked within the context of what was. Current. I mean, I hear a lot of Prince. Were you listening to Prince at the time? And Jam and Lewis. Okay, right. Don't. Uh, we were big fans of Jam and Lewis. Um, and you, uh, I'm not sure whether we hear it on this album, but... There are, yeah, I, I can hear it in certain, in certain things. You, you know, so, sometimes you, you're influenced by what other people are doing. Yes. And you don't, you won't hear it as a listener, but because it, it's like come through, through our heads, and we've sort of transmuted it in, yeah. into something else. So it might not be recognisable as such. But, but Prince and um, yeah, that whole kind of sparse thing we 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 liked. I don't know whether it, it, I can't remember all the tracks on the album. Whether there's anything that's specific like that, but you you hear you hear it anyway. Yeah, another one I really like is Systematic, which I think was a was a single. It was, yeah. That was done with Phil. I right. think that was maybe the, one of the... F it was certainly the second track, I think, that we recorded with him. I can't remember what the first one was, but... Uh... Right, OK. I think my, my two big favourites on the Magnetic Heaven album graham right between the eyes of course but there's a track that i really love um only a visitor yeah um one of the few sort of slow songs yeah um and i just love that there's that there's, there's that kind of backwards it's echo so and some lovely chords yeah um i don't remember that much about about writing it other than I, I also love it i just think it's got such a amazing atmosphere to it and andrew's voice is is just brilliant for it it's fabulous and it's it's almost a hypnotic track isn't yeah it? yeah it's almost ambient really yeah yeah in, in a way yeah i'm gonna have to listen to it again i i should have done that before we talked <laughs> just to remind myself but um yeah it's great I think, I don't know whether we did that with Phil or whether we did that on our own. 
according to this, the three tracks which Phil does not have a production credit on are Hear No Evil, Mary Claire, which we talked about, and Only a Visitor. Yes, so that was without him. Oh, it's gorgeous. Yeah, how great to hear that again. I'm going to play that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love that so much because um, it's a good example of the... Uh, our voices are quite different, but um, we did a lot of singing different parts in the same track, which I thought was really nice. Yes, that, that was... Same here. And that's almost like a duet there, that's isn't it? Duet, yeah, rather than obviously we did harmonies singing the same parts together, but just singing mm. diff- different parts. Yeah, which is Sometimes a. I'd write, I'd write stuff. So the verse part would be fine, but I wanted to hear this melody, and it was too high for me. So Andrew would sing. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. right. Fantastic. Ball and Chain was the first single from that album, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, Graham. That was an e- interesting epic. choice. Yeah, ep- epic, uh, dark. Yes. Thing. We, we made a video for that as well. Uh, yes, uh, that's right. And, and that was quite epic and dark, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They took the ball and chain and they... Dum, ba, ba, da, bam, that thing... People banging things with hammers. Yeah, but that... Dum, ba, 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 bam, thing. So there was the... Um, dum, ba, 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 bam, ba, dum, ba, da, da, da. The Led Zeppelin meets Jam and Lewis thing. We just, were just talking about Jam and Lewis. Oh, yeah, Led Zeppelin. Right, I didn't get that before, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Percussion or, you know, stuff. Right. Bit number one, July 28th. This is the second wax album. It's unbelievable. So that was the first album. The the, the second album, probably the, the high water mark of, of wax. I think. Yeah, um, for me, definitely. Great, great record and another big hit, of course, Building a Bridge to Your Heart. And it was um, fabulous that you, you had a UK hit as well. And um, t- tell us about that that song. How did that come into being? Um, that song uh, was written at Andrew's house in uh, L.A., um, We'd started writing it. He, Andrew had started it off, and I changed some of the chords. And I don't know where the title came from. I think it was Andrew's title. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd started the song, had had a lot of it. And I remember I went out, and I came back, and Andrew had sort of finished all the lyrics. And it was mm-hmm. it was great. We made the demo, and actually, the demo is not not none of our demos are a million miles away from what the actual records were. It's remarkably close. It came out, didn't it, on the on the bikini wax, didn't it?
It's so close. So Chris Nils, uh, who produced it, is not going to go, well, I'm going to change it because I'm broke, don't fix it. So yeah. really, it's a matter of just replacing what we had with a few uh, other things added. But uh, so uh, I, I credit Andrew with, with um, a, a lot of the writing of that particular song. But I don't know whether I mentioned with any writing partnership, one of the things you, you need to do is to... Certain songs will be pretty much equal, others will be like 30, 60%, you know, whatever, or, you know, 40, 60. But yeah. the thing is, if someone's on a roll, you let them go, you know, you just, yeah. it's stupid to put your oar in and stop them doing what they're doing. And and I think I get, I've, I've always said that, that that was more of a, that, that song is a lot of, you know, mostly Andrew. Okay. Yeah, it's interesting, and you said that you added a few chords, and, and Graham, this one, this has been keeping me awake uh, at night for a couple of days, right? Because I, I, I think this song is Wax's masterpiece. I, I think it's an absolute pop classic. Okay. Dare I say it, it, I think it's your Dean and I. Oh, okay. <laughs> because it's, it's, it's 28 songs piled into one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there are so many hooks and little riffs and melodies that kind of appear a couple of times and then go it's very kind of godly and cream in that respect but i i, I got the guitar out yesterday and i was trying to fiddle around with it to work out why uh the little kind of accidental chords that are thrown in all over it it's so electrifying and uh, i've probably got these chords wrong great okay. uh, and paul i think you'll like You're taking your life in your hands here sean Oh yeah, yeah. I, I'm not. I'm not asking Graham to to marvel at my crap no, playing. No, no, no. It's just in the chords. That's it. I just want it. Yeah, is it, it? It's in E, right? So you've got you've got the, the riff there, and then it goes straight to C and D. So immediately you're coming out of the key of E. Can you give us a bit? E C D, F sharp minor, I think. And then it comes out of the key again. With a D, well, that's and then these things, but no, that's not. Cool. Yeah, yeah, okay, all right, yeah, okay. Yeah. And then there's a beautiful bit coming up. And here, this is Goldman, okay. Um, th there's a little kind of transition D into the verse. Yeah, D over B, I hear. Uh, Going to A over B. Is that right, Graham? D, D over B to A over B. And that, that strikes me as a very a very Goldman trick because even though the D is out outside the key of E, um, the the bass note of B is is the cadence that leads you into, it, it into leads you back, back into yeah. E. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's absolutely superb. Um, I'm just trying to think because we do it with the you know we do it with the heartful of songs. Yeah, but we do it as a kind of a swing thing because I could not get it to work in the original tempo so rather than leave it out which i yeah. couldn't do i, I changed yeah. it um ah that, that's interesting and it must really breathe nicely in in that kind of slowed down tempo yeah that those i think those chords are right i'd have to i have to get the guitar to just to check that but it sounded right what you did yeah okay well that's good yeah. at least and that, and in the in the pre-chorus as well there's an accidental chord that you throw in um the first time round it goes i think it's c sharp mind <laughs> The standard, but the second time round, it, go, it goes to that D again, Let me which is that chord. Can it, hold on. Yeah, please do. 
Yeah, this is a real imposition of my <laughs> You're really upping the ante. You're not, you're not getting your own guitar out. Brilliant. No, I know, I know. But I think it's, I think it's a marvellous record. <laughs> okay. Here we go. Yeah, so um, that chord, by the way, that D is a kind of. Uh, oh, oh, yeah. Is it a ninth? Yeah. Right. Well, nice, nice. And the seventh as well. Right. Fabulous. I, I think I just... I don't know whether the bass is doing something different, but... It, it sounds like you, you, you're peddling a B to me yeah. on that little transition. Yeah. But there, there, is a, there's, there are other moments of genius as well. Um, when you go into the bridge, it's a key change to G for a start and then there's Bridge, a... yeah I wrote, I wrote all that part yeah yeah because i always loved do you know um andy williams um can't get used to loving you oh yeah 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 da, 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 da. yeah okay nice yeah, and uh, there's another key change as well, isn't there, into the sax solo, Graham, that goes into F-sharp kind of thing. Yeah. But it leads leads you back to, at the end of the sax solo, I, I sound like a real geek here, I know. Yeah. Uh, at the end of the sax solo, it leaves you with the, the perfect cadence B major that leads beautifully back to the, going back into E. That's right. Uh, it, I think it, it's so well structured, this song, Graham, and it strikes me that a, a lot of your kind of Beatle... Beatles-inspired uh, chord changes that are in there. You know, Paul, with things like back in the USSR, mm. where they're, they're playing in A, mm. and then they, they'll throw in a C major chord. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's such a, such a thing. Things like you, you get on Monkey, um, Me, Mr. Mustard, Day in the Life. It strikes me, Graham, that you're using those beautiful kind of chords that come out of nowhere. I, um, I think a lot of it is... You know, a lot of songwriters say, "Well, if we need to get, if we want to get back to this chord, we must do this chord." Mm. But you must. Who says that you've got to use yeah, this right. chord? You know? Yeah. Yes. Quite often, by going into something else, I don't know whether it's technically right or not. But who cares? There's no book on writing songs anyway. Uh, no. You just do it. You know, you might have something about sort of form or verses or things. But even that is. Yeah, never bothered about that, and I'm, I'm, <laughs> it's just what feels right. So, there's no. What I'm trying to say is, there's no. I'm not aware of. It's just what, what we did, what we do. Yeah. No, yeah. absolutely, and, I, and it, it, what you did with that song for me is, is take the song goes down. It, it wiggles around in 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 an irresistible way. I I think. Uh, Every ten seconds has got a little musical surprise for you. Yeah, there's some lovely, there's some really great things in it. I'm I'm very proud of that record, and I love playing it. It always, I mean, we did it. We used to do it with Ten CC uh, mm. for yeah. quite a long time, um, and it always went down great. You know, it was um, you know, I might even put it back in because it's so. <laughs> it's an, it's an up record, yeah.
you know, it's interesting, Sean, that that song has fooled me because all these years I've never really heard it as being as musically intricate as it is. And that's maybe mm-hmm. the success of it because it doesn't sound it doesn't sound odd. It just sounds great. But you, when you look beneath the hood, you see where it's going. It's quite. But that could be in a way. You don't yeah. need to know what's beneath the hood. Yes. Just- yeah, you're enjoying the ride. Exactly, <laughs> exactly yeah. It's, it's interesting, Sally and I were listening to, to Wax in the kitchen yesterday, getting ready for the boys coming home, and, and that one came on, and Sally loves it. She remembers it from Top of the Pops right. at the time, um, loves it. And she said, well, this Wax stuff sounds really simple. And I said, uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, but I said, I think that's the art of it, is that they, the songs sound so hooky and catchy, and they are. But underneath, there's all that machinery going on. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's true. You know, I, I, I think um, just, I don't know why I thought of it, but a kind of an overview of Wax was, because I was thinking about us when we played, we were on top of the pops. And I, I remember sensing one thing that we were slightly older than a lot of some of the other acts. And I think, because mm. we never really fulfilled what we could have done, I'm sure, through various mm. reasons. Uh, Andrew had a um, this real fear of flying that inhibited him coming over and doing any other stuff, and I would spend a lot of time going going there. Mm. Um, but I think had we been younger, I, this is what I'm getting to, We yeah. something bigger could have happened. Mm. But we had all the right equipment, so to speak. <laughs> but I don't know whether you know, but just a just a little thing of interest. When we did the first our Common Knowledge album, it was mixed by a guy called Rafe McKenna, an engineer, right. who I've not seen for for many years. But he was he was he was very not a good looking guy, and Phil Thornalley is a good looking guy as well. So when we made the video for um, right between the eyes we thought we needed a couple of other blokes in here but probably a big mistake that (laughs) so on the video of right between the eyes uh, is um phil thornally and uh, rafe mckenna i wonder who those two guys were you mean the guy with the ponytail playing that's phil that's phil on the drums Oh wow! I wondered who that was. Yeah, he is a good-looking chap. Yeah, and he's he's a he's a good drummer as well. I mean, he played drums on um, on the track that we um, that we wrote for the um, for the Modesty for Bids album. Yeah. Oh, that's that's Phil on the drums yeah. there. Looking. No, I didn't realise that. Okay. It's a fun fun video that, isn't it? But I I, I tell you, I think the the video for um, Bridge to Your Heart is wonderful. That was Storm again, wasn't it? Yeah, that was Storm. Yeah. It reminds me, in a way, of It's a Kind of Magic, the, the Queen video with with those wonderful animations. Yeah, yeah, very good, yeah. It, it worked really well, I think. We did, we did some stuff with Storm, some, I think, more successful than others. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that one, maybe because it was a cartoon-based, um, mm-hmm. that, that's, why, that's why it worked. Yeah. Can we talk about some, some other songs? Because uh, for me, oh, yeah, absolutely. even pipping... Uh, Bridge to your heart is bugging the machine. That's my favourite. Uh, okay, I, I like that I one too. I personally could not believe that was not released as a single. I don't know why it just kind of completely ticked all the boxes for me, but. Uh, <laughs> 
I was obsessed with these chords at the time. Could you lift it up a little bit, Graham? We can't see it. Could you just lift the guitar up? I can't see what you're doing. Thanks. That's what minor seventh. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was all that. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. It reminds me in, in feel actually to uh, "Peace in Our Time," which, as you know, is yeah. uh, one of my favourite tracks from Mirror Mirror. It's got that kind of the lovely jazziness in the chords, and it's a, it's quite a funky track. This isn't it? Yes, but when it goes to the string part, oh uh, yeah, it, I said to Andrew, it's the light program. It reminds me of the BBC light program. <laughs> <laughs> Why? There's something about it that's very... <laughs> homely and yes, <laughs> but that's what yeah. I loved about any music that we did was when that that create and really it goes for any music really that it creates such a feeling. Or, mm. I don't know, maybe when I was a kid listening to the light programme, what the hell has that got to do with this musical notes? I don't know, but it's a miracle that it, actually that sort of thing happens. Was, was that an earlier track? I've got this memory when I saw uh, Wax, the one time I saw you live in 1987 at the Fairfield Halls. I'm sure... <laughs> Oh, no, come on, it was a sellout. It's a sellout. It's a great <laughs> it, and it was a fantastic gig. Uh, because you were you were buzzing, you know, it was you were a new band, and that really that really came over. But I was going to ask, either, either you or Andrew said at the time that's bugging the machine from 1980. Was that an early song, or did I just mishear that? Can you remember? I don't. From 1980, it sounded unlikely, but you know, unlikely. no, it's, uh, no, I don't think so. That okay. was. Well, anyway, you've, you've put my mind at rest because I've been carrying <laughs> that around all these years. Um, yeah. Can we talk about two of the most beautiful songs on the album, um, Ready or Not and The Promise? The Pro oh, yes, I, I love Both those Both of two. which have beautiful, uh, empathetic lyrics. Um, you know, it's the, the, fam the, family, the family again, which is it's quite, it's quite rare for a lyric like that, in a way. A straightforward lyric, one talking about you know, a new life, and the other talking about a family letting go of their kids at the other end of childhood. They, 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 both those lyrics really touched me. I thought they were really nice songs. Can you tell us about those those two tracks? Um, yes. Um, le what was the first one? Just I'm sorry. Well, ready or not? Oh, uh, ready or not? Ready or not? Da, da, yeah. da, da. Um, just. One of those things, I, you know, I don't remember specifically, I, I know we wrote that, I think we wrote that at Andrew's house, also another song that was very much like the the demo. Mm -hmm. And that has lots of the... I think you're using a B, a B pedal note yeah. there on that beautiful yeah. chorus, am I right? That chord again. Um, yeah. It, it, I, I, honestly, it's magical that one. It's my second favourite on it on the record. I, I could listen to oh, it all all day. Oh, radio, not time to break out, out of your chair. 
I also love it. Um, I thought it was a fantastic song. Mm. But the, the promise, I'm trying, so what year was this now? Let, let 19, me just... 1987, the album was released. 1987, okay. Because I, I sort of connect it with, with my kids. Here we go. When I hear these songs, it reminds me, I get kind of obsessed with little chord sequences that I can't put in. I don't put them in everything because they, they won't work in everything, but I remember that, that sort of... Strange, uh, strange sequence. But yeah, it's a beautiful song. To keep the Yeah, and a wonderful vocal from Andrew. If I can just, if I can flick back briefly to Ready or Not, uh, and here, here's a song I was trying, fighting in my head to to work out what it reminded me of, particularly when it goes into, there's, there's some lovely, lovely chord changes. And like we said, when it goes into the chorus, you've got two chords, which I think are C sharp minor and B, played over a, uh, a pedal B note and it reminded me Paul of this this track my very favorite Genesis solo song okay. uh, from Steve Hackett uh, from 78 Graham from the album please don't touch this is a song that uh, Richie Havens sang lead on and it's absolutely beautiful listen to this Icarus ascending it's called just a similar feel Ten to me five. yeah very much so yeah yeah looking in the same area definitely yeah, yeah. yeah. paul what do you think Is it, th th there are similarities aren't i think you've got some i think you've got some balls playing a load of steve hackett for graham but, <laughs> 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 but yeah but it's just it's i mean it's, it, i'm just saying it's one of the reasons i i, I love ready yeah. or not yeah. so much that's all that's all i'm it's saying it's the unresolved nature of it isn't it you've got this the, the bass note you know, is separate from the rest from the other chord, and it, it, yeah. it's, it's unresolved tension, which eventually is is released. Yeah, it's, yeah, exactly, and it just lifts it to a beautiful place. Uh, it? There's a bunch of fabulous songs on that record. I also, really like the title track, uh, which is brash, you know, American English, which is brash but extremely catchy. Again, hmm. quite hyperkinetic. In, in, in yeah. I, I should have rem remembered it was '87 because we made a video for that at Camber mm. Sands in yes. over, which was the day of the the great storm. Good afternoon to you. Earlier on today, apparently a woman rang the BBC and said she heard that there was a hurricane on the way. Well, if you're watching, don't worry, there isn't. But having said that, actually, the weather will become very windy. Oh, 
Oh, was it? The, yeah, right. Ah, right. We were trying to finish the filming of it, which we didn't do, but I remember we went back to London and I remember driving through town and there were like tin cans and branches coming down yeah. our own road. <laughs> well, <that's all> that. <laughs> but then the next day we went, to, we'd had to finish it up, we went to Hampstead Heath and there was just rubbish everywhere strewn about yeah. it. So, yeah, I'll never forget that. Yeah, that, I remember that, that word. Um, video I'm not not keen on, but the uh, the American English track I thought was a very good, like a lot of energy in it. Like again, not a million miles from right between the eyes and its upness. Yes. And, um, yeah. How did how did you get um, Yoko's daughter to appear on the fade out there? She's one of the many voices talking. Is it Yoko? I didn't know that it was Yoko. Yes, it's uh, Kyoko, uh, which is uh, Yoko's daughter from her first marriage to Tony <laughs> Cole, I think. Um, yeah, I don't, maybe Andrew knew her. <laughs> Blimey. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Today, uh, yeah, we wanted to have a uh, someone in. Uh, we I think we've got someone in Russian and someone yeah. in, in America, the uh, uh, Japanese. Yeah, and because uh, um, I had a book called American English. Oh, okay. Uh, which was you know pavement, sidewalk, you know the right. you know, color, color. Yeah, you know. <laughs> it's it's a great it's a great concept for the band. Almost certainly. Um, going to be the title of this particular podcast i mean how could it how could it i mean it's a, yeah it's a no-brainer isn't it no-brainer yeah um tell us uh, what you remember of recording that that hilarious video for some other world graham where you you and andrew are kind of doing what you and eric did on good morning judge you know dressing up oh yeah uh, in part there's some there's some quite good acting there if i if i dare say <laughs> thank you <laughs> <laughs> I don't like those videos. I don't like seeing artists acting because they always get the feeling they think they can act and they cannot act. They are, it's very rare that you get, um, it's okay the other way around, you know, an actor who sings and can do it. But I just find it makes me cringe actually to see those things. So not, not a favorite of mine, I have to say. Mm. Uh, and as a general principle, it's almost like I remember one. There was a Queen video, and it was almost as if, oh, now I can show off my acting skills. You haven't got any, mate. You're a brilliant <laughs> songwriter. <laughs> leave it. Okay, that's my general opinion of that. Okay, you did look slightly uncomfortable as the as the slick politician. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't. Don't like the thought of it. Okay, it's part of the yeah. job yeah, making videos. In those, in those, yeah, kind of like this was a thing that everyone was doing. So, yeah. um, I mean, we've all done it. All bands have done it and shouldn't have done it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. Can you tell tell us about the tour? As as I say, I, I thought that the gig I saw was terrific. Um, right. Thank you. was the first and only time you toured. Um, how did that sort of 
come about and how did you overcome the, the difficulties with Andrew's difficulties with flying and everything? Well, that was a, it was a UK tour, so there was no problem yeah. flying. We were, we were driving everywhere. Right. Um, and um, I remember we had Mike Richardson on drums um, and a, a guy called Roger Jackson on keyboards. And it was a very, um, it was a very happy, and Rick Fenn, of course. Yes, yes. Um, yeah. can't, can't go anywhere without Rick. <laughs> Um, and it was a very happy tour, you know, we really enjoyed it. Some of the, I have to say, some of, if, uh, where you saw us, there were, you know, a good audience, but uh, some of the places were very poor, poorly attended. Uh, it was a, not very well promoted. Mm. Um, however, you know, I don't regret doing it. I'm glad we did it. We, we recorded quite a lot of it. Mm. Uh, we used... We did use quite a lot of track because of the, particularly the uh, some of the that drum percussion parts we couldn't reproduce. Right. So, as good as Matt Richardson was, we needed some extra support, and, and I think there were some other things. So it was five of us plus a um, plus the Fostex reel to reel recorder that we had. Okay. It, um, it's, I remember how we controlled that, but anyway, it seemed it seemed to work. It was it was a great set because of course you were playing not just wax stuff but 10cc stuff and Andrew played I think he played uh, Never Let Us Slip Away and Lovely and so it was, it was a fantastic collection. Did we do Thank You for Being a Friend? I can't remember if we did that. I, I think I've seen clips of that. Yeah, could be two, two or three. Only Boy and um, yeah, and, and stuff. I think we did. And your drummer obviously had to had to was sweating, getting waiting to come in at the right point with his the one beat with uh, <laughs> for the beginning of Lonely Boy. He must have uh, yeah, must no, have, we knew it by then. Yeah, I'm gonna say, he must <laughs> have done some work. Yeah, uh, counting yeah. counting to four and a half. Yeah. Shall we move forward to the last wax yeah. album, yeah. Graham? Uh, Hundred thousand in in used notes. Yes, fresh notes rather. I should say. Yeah, that's another um, storm cover. Uh, a weird title. Mm. Uh, mm. I, I can't really remember how we alighted on that, but um, I think that album is probably the least successful of the three. Um, I can't remember. You'll have to remind me of the track listing. But there well, was some really nice songs on there. Well, it kicks off kicks off with a one-two punch, Anchors oh. Away and Wherever You Are. Anchors Away. Oh. Away. Yeah, uh, me too. My favourite songs that we did. So uh, having just said that it wasn't <laughs> <laughs> but my favourite, uh, that that song in particular, I love the... Um, I came up with the... And Andrew said to me, where do you nick that from? I said I, I just made it up. Man. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was. Yes, it, it's got a. It's got a. The sailors. The sailors. Uh, sailors. The pipe. And under the Yes, there's a lot of nice pitch pitch bending in. Yeah, yeah. So, so did that little theme come before the lyric, and and suggest the the nautical theme, or did you already? It was the other way around. We'd written uh, most of the song, and that came into my head. That um, that figure. Okay. See, Sean, this this one you were talking about the structural, the uh, you know complexities of 
bridge to your heart. I think Anchors Away structurally is quite complex. It's 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 four parts. You've got a verse, pre-chorus, chorus, and the sailor's hornpipe. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you, you know, it, it's four lovely, discrete parts. You don't often get that in a single. It doesn't sound convoluted. It just kind of flows nicely. So. Yeah. Oh, so. A lot of people have mentioned that song. It seems to have struck a, a chord with people. That, that I mean, besides the British Heart, you know, there are other songs that people like, but that's definitely one that, that people, you know, that respond to and get and talk about, as, as you are doing now. Go on, I was just going to say that yesterday, we, uh, as we were playing Wax in the Kitchen, um, th- this song came up and Sally was singing along with it within about a minute and a half. Right, right. It's incredibly catchy. Yeah, Sally's our kind of market research um, sort of... Yeah, she's our acid test for <laughs> yeah. all these songs. <laughs> right. She's the litmus. The litmus. Yeah, okay, Sally. Um, yeah Sally litmus. Very good. I, I wanted to ask you generally, uh, Graham, and... Uh, we're very grateful to David Jarvis for sending some of the the sort of songwriting sessions uh, for the I think for the second Wax album. Um, but we've got a, a copy of a cassette which is labelled "Finished Structures," um, and what we hear on the tape are, are you and Andrew, I presume, in, in his home studio with what sounds like a partial backing track, a drum machine and some bass on there, with Andrew playing live keyboards and you playing live guitar. The reason I mention this is because the tape's labelled finished structures but you clearly haven't got all the melodies and lyrics in place yet and I, I just I wondered if you if you went about the songwriting process in a different way where you actually put the structures together first and then added melodies and lyrics afterwards I think that we would not have done that um, usually mm. we just sort of sat down together and someone would play something and someone would start singing something like that yeah so I don't know why they would be labelled finished structures and whether they are indeed, you, you know, you could tell me if whether they are indeed finished structures, whether they, any of them that went on to be recorded were the same arrangements. Maybe it means that the arrangements are what we like, and but we would have, I don't know why we would have done that. It's a bit of a mystery. Um, yeah. I can play you a, a little excerpt. Um, this one here, this is a, a run-through of Heaven in, in a Bed. Yeah, OK. Uh, um, and at one point you ask Andrew if he could sing the melody for you because you've forgotten it. OK. What's the I did that because it, it seemed that you were still writing the song, even though the, the backing track felt complete. Do you know what I mean? Well, maybe, maybe the... Uh, I'm sure that we would have had... That we would not have 
started putting stuff down without having the melodies because I, I actually don't like to start recording even anything before everything's finished, be, even the lyrics, because sometimes you can write something, you go, you know, now we've used that lyric, maybe we should try this different chord there because it may mm. make it more poignant or more, you know, I don't know, it'll punctuate what the what the lyric says. So I tend not to want to ever to do that. Um, so it's a bit of a mystery why it's finished. Uh There's a track on on that album, Graham. That absolutely I find irresistible, um, Madeline. Oh, uh, which has got that wonderful vocoder yeah. riff that goes all the way through. <laughs> Yeah. No, no, no. This is this is our kind of Jam and Lewis sort of funk era, I think. Yeah, I, you know, just one of those songs that uh, just came out. Madeline, Mad About Madeline, yeah. yeah. That's right. Yeah, it's kind of... Uh, there, there was a record a few years ago called Lucky uh, with... Um, Nile Rogers oh, yeah. and, and Farrell Williams, and it kind of reminds me of that. It's very, very funky with a vocoder, and and it's full of ABBA chords as well. Uh, yeah, uh, which, as you know, you know, gets gets Paul and me very excited. Yeah, I think we were listening to, um, yeah, like things like Chic, and in fact, we worked with Bernard Edwards. in a yeah. film called The Burglar with oh. um, um, Whoopi Goldberg was in it. Okay. And um, I don't know how it came about. We recorded it, in, but we recorded another version of it with, with Bernard. Um, and I remember... That's interesting. He sent us a mix and I said, you, you've missed out the middle eight. He said, oh, no, don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> it was on the bridge, but I, as I call it, I don't like the word term middle eight. I don't know that I've told you that. Yeah. No, okay, no. Sorry. I don't like because you're saying it's got to be eight bars. I, I don't think so. Remember that you're not alone, and we'll be with you on wherever you are. The Wax Top 5 on Spotify. Can you guess what the five tracks are? It's got the most popular wax songs in the world, it would seem. I would say, well, Bridge Your Heart has got to be in there. It's not number one, though. Oh, right, OK. But what about um, Bridge Your Heart, Right Between the Eyes, got to be in there. Yeah, that's top. Is that top? Yeah. And, and is, um, is uh, Bridge Your Heart number two? Yeah. And the other ones, I have no idea what they would be. Paul, any guesses? I didn't even know. I didn't even know about this sort of top five thing. Be- oh yeah, on Spotify, yeah. Oh, there, the, yeah, there we are. Yeah, so eyes are top, bridge is second. Yeah. Three and four are sync were singles. Okay. Well, um, both anch- with videos. Anchors away. No, uh, but that's uh, that's up there in the top ten, I think. <laughs> okay, blame Yeah. You make shadows. You make three. Feel like he's down the course doing it, down the pub doing the pop. No, absolutely, yeah, but, but that's a, a lockdown thing. Uh, American English is four, 
and uh, wherever you are is fine. Okay. Well, do you think that's a fair a, a fair yeah, yeah, thing? Absolutely. <laughs> I'd like Dank as a way to be in there, but you know, yeah. and, and marry Claire, by the way. Yeah, so yeah, that, we do too. I think that is um, definitely one of our our best songs. What do you like about it particularly? I just like the vibe of it and the the, uh, the chorus, which I think was mine. I just love the way the the, the way the chords go. Yeah, I like yeah. Back into the and the way that chorus goes back into the minor for the. For the verse, yes, it's a real world that because it it comes it comes out of the verse very unexpectedly into I think an unrelated key for the chorus, although that works. And then yeah, you kind of you step back up to the minor to get to the verse, which is which is great. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Let's yeah let's let's hear it. <laughs> Somehow the bass steps up as it goes back to the market. Yeah, it's very, very clever way of moving through the keys. I love it. I love it. Yeah, and that the harmonies on it are gorgeous yeah. as well, aren't they? That was also, I think, recorded at uh, Strawberry, uh, Strawberry North. Producer Peter Khan is in the place to be. He's down by law, you know what I mean? Andrew Gold and Graham Goldman. Well, like, the, the closing track's quite funny. Um, credit where credit's due on this album, of course. <laughs> I'm not, yeah, I, I, that was my idea. Um, right. I'm not sure that we pulled it off in that... I'm not sure that the rapper guy was that great, but I think the the idea was better than the actual track. Yeah. But I still like the idea of it, you know. He sounds like he's making it up on the spur. It sounds like he's got a copy of the liner notes and he's making it up on the spur of the moment. Yeah, and, and mispronouncing Harvey's name. I love that bit. Harvey Lindsberg. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's down by law, whatever that means. <laughs> <laughs> well, it it's a lot of fun. To be down by law, I guess. Management, Harvey Lindsberg. Lindsberg, L-I-S-B-E-R-G. Musicians, Steve Ferrara. You supported the Bee Gees on yeah. some UK dates. Can you tell us about how the Brothers Gib, well, how you got the, how you got that gig and how the Brothers Gib treated I have no, I, no idea, but I know that they it sort of ignored us completely. And we oh, yeah. you No, I'm not. And... Um, it was it was odd and uncomfortable, and um, but it was an opportunity to get in front of a big audience, you know. Of course, yeah. Well, somebody I know went to see the BGS at Wembley Arena, and I think they, you know, and, and I think it was Wembley Arena on the on the on the tour itinerary. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. 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 Laying all day, a lonely hideaway, you're a lazy bones. 
tell us, um, Graham, about um, how the bikini collection came together. Um, was that something that you were uh, you you took part in curating? Not really. Andrew was the was the curator. I mean, he was a very good at uh, keeping stuff together, filing stuff, and putting them together. And he was, um, you know, he was a, a studio animal, really. He, he, he loved mm. doing all that. Yeah, so uh, all credit to Andrew for doing that. Yeah, there's some fascinating glimpses, aren't there? Like little tiny snippets, 15 seconds of of a bit of madness, followed by 20 seconds of something else that's completely off the wall. We'd go... Because we, we'd be writing and we'd go into these mad little things that sometimes would develop into a song and others, they just existed for that 10 seconds of madness, <laughs> really. Well, not madness, just funny little quirky... I remember it, uh, we, there was a pub near the village where, in the village where I lived and the, there was this very pretty girl there and Andrew was quite taken with her. And <laughs> we found out her name was Francesca McGregor. Oh, yes. <laughs> when I first laid my eyes on Francesca McGregor. <laughs> you know, so we made this little song about her. So there's a lot of funny, quirky little things. Yeah, and Francesca, she comes up on another track, doesn't she? Fran Francesca's Magnetic Moon. <laughs> right. So she clearly made an impression, <laughs> hadn't she? Impression, yeah. I think there's a couple of um, cracking songs that I hadn't heard before. I, I really like A Single Kiss uh, and yes. um, and The Last Time. So it reminds me of Todd Rundgren, A Single Kiss. It's got that soul ballad feel. Yeah. There, was yeah. a, there was a song called... Um... Do you know, you might, you might, I can't remember what it's called. <laughs> um, there, were, there were a lot of... Um... Oh, people all over this world, are yeah. that? People all over the world. Yeah, that's a terrific one, yeah. yeah. Really mm. lovely stuff. Yeah, and there's, my favourite on there is The Last Time I Fell in Love. Do you remember that? Yeah, same. The Last Time I Fell in Love. Yeah, very good. Well, yeah. Which is um, oh, great track. I'm, you know, obviously, I'm amazed that didn't make it onto an album, but I guess you had a lot of stuff, so... We had a lot of stuff. We were very, um, we were really quite prolific. Sure. Were you involved in any of Andrew's 
later projects uh, I'm thinking of um, Greetings from the, the Planet Love which I think has a co-write the song Love Tonight was that one you co-wrote together? I, I can't say definitely but okay. if it's on it then yes that Greetings from Planet Love is kind of like a pseudo hippie you know yeah It's a homage to all of Andrew's great psychedelic music that he loves, I suppose, the Beatles and the Birds. Yeah, the Beatles in particular. But um, I don't know whether you ever um, you, you listened to any of his telephone messages when people would phone up. He would he'd spend all day doing like a like an orchestra just to to use on a, an answer phone. <laughs> And I've got a tape somewhere of, uh, of them, and they're absolute genius. I mean, you know, you can make a record out. Coming from the studio that gave you such classic phone messages as He is not at home. He is not at home. And the unforgettable Leave Your Name and Number. Don't leave your name and number when you hear that lonesome tone. That rings a bell, you know. Yeah. Well, didn't Elliot Elliot send us a tape of those yeah, years and years ago? Maybe that's... They're probably up in my attic. Yeah. I, I, I don't archive as well as our friend David. Oh, well, he's, he's the king. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, Andrew was ahead of the game. He, he was um, producing a podcast uh, 15, 16, 17 years ago. I remember at the time seeing it on the internet and... I, and I, there was no way for me to actually listen to it because the technology to, to bring it down wasn't there. But he was very, very, uh, you know, uh, um, advanced in, 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 in that area, which is... Which is well, he would, uh, you know, he, he, he would get... I remember him being in the studio with him one day and he got a new piece of equipment and he just put it into the rack, wired it up and started using it. I said, how do you know how to use it? Where's the instruction, man? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he said they're all the same. These things. So, <laughs> I now understand that, but like right. all these years later, I understand yeah. that certain things do the same thing. Um, mm. He was very adept at um, in the studio, you know, technically and but um, in all ways. I mean, he he was using Pro Tools uh, when we were recording. Um, he had a place. The last place we worked, with, he had a place in Nashville. Um, I think that was the last time we ever worked together. Was it was in, when he had a place in that because he moved from Richfield to um, Connecticut to Nashville. Right. Yeah, I was, was going to ask about the, the final sessions you, you did with him, and, and I believe you were hoping to make it something more formal and get, and get you know a proper pro full time project going again. We we talked about it a lot, um, and I've been to visit him um, on occasion. He wasn't that well the last time I saw him. Um, he was quite overweight still, and I, I think that contributed to his. Um, you know, his, his dying. Uh, oh. A very, uh, such a talented boy. You know, I think we could have done a lot of stuff 
you know, I would happily work with work with them now. It was, yeah, it was, a, sure. great, it was a great, yes. uh, a great partnership. Mm. Yeah, and a, and really, like you said, a, a jack of all trades and a master of all of those. Um, a musical genius in many ways, don't you think, Graham? He, he was a he was a genius, you know, and, and his his catalogue of stuff that he's done, both as a session musician, as a, as a, a bit working with Linda Ronstadt, Brindle, which was another band that he had, yeah. um, with Kenny Lewis, Kenny Edwards. Um, and I can't remember all the, all the people. Nicolette Larson he worked with. Um, I can't remember all the names of the people, but he's done so much. Yeah, he even um, joined a Birds tribute band. Yes, didn't he, he did. Yeah, well, form, formed one, I think. Yeah, that's. Oh right, Bird, okay. Birds yeah. of a Feather. It was his band because he had the guitar and he had the. He knew how to, you know, <laughs> he'd, he'd nail it, no doubt. Mm. Yeah, fantastic. Graham, thank you so much for, for sharing these wonderful memories. Um, and uh, we, we've loved it too. And I've, I've really enjoyed um, getting into Wax much deeper than I had before. Yeah. I, I confess, I, I, I was strictly a kind of a two-album man with Wax, yeah. but uh, I've, I've loved kind of digging deeper. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to dig deep myself now because of this. And, uh, I, 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 you know, I, Wax is one of those things, as I said to you before, had it been a slightly different era, I think that could have could have changed things. Mm. Uh, but however, it is you know I'm very proud of what we did. I mean, and some of my happiest uh, memories of working with Andrew because he was an extremely funny mm. man as well. Uh, it was hilarious, but and, and you know brilliant uh, person. But he had it, you know, he had his his demons as well. Um, but um, I'm so happy that to work with him. I've always said probably my happiest uh, partnership, uh, musical partnership. Yeah, really comes wow. across. And it, it, you know, I'm very pleased that you had a good deal of commercial success. But success, but for those tracks that didn't make it at the time, it really doesn't matter. They're there. We have them now, uh, and yeah. that's that's the main thing. Yeah, they're they're still our, our babies. <laughs> exactly. Wonderful. Nice talking to you again. And just let me know when you want to do the next one. Will do. Thank you, Graham. And uh, good luck with those taps. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Okay. See you, chaps. Bye-bye. 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 See you, Graham. See you, Sean. Bye. Good subject in the world. This is about that. What is the meaning of life? I don't fucking know. Tell me the meaning of life. I got... Why you on it? How the heck do you 
See, you're going with the lyric too. See, you're. You're the man. And that's why we're here, here on, on the earth. earth. On the earth. been listening to the consequences podcast produced by paul mcnulty and sean mccreevy thanks for listening